When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Welcome to Crisis Management, the podcast edition. I'm Alicia Sekirska. The federal election is in full swing. How Canadians feel about cost of living and affordability has emerged as the key issue. Another one becoming a hot topic is inflation. Statistics Canada released its July index of prices this week. The consumer price index jumped 3.7% from the year before, the highest level in more than a decade. And it was more than what economists expected, above that 1% to 3% range that the Bank of Canada targets for inflation. So what does this all mean for the economy and, of course, the election? On our live stream video program, Sean Spear from the Public Policy Forum and I talked about the impact inflation may have on the federal election. I think in, in a couple of ways. Um, the, the, the first, Alicia, is that I, you know one can't help but think that um, that the party leaders will need to articulate um, views about the Bank of Canada's mandate going forward. Um, viewers will probably know that the government of Canada sets uh, the inflation uh, framework uh, for the Bank of Canada on a multi-year basis. Um, the current framework is up for renewal this year. Um, and so it seems to me, and I, I suspect many people watching, um, that how the different parties, how the different party leaders think about the bank's mandate in general and inflation targeting in particular uh, is one of the most consequential economic policy questions um, that will face the incoming government. Yesterday, Prime Minister Trudeau was asked about the inflation policy framework. He was mostly dismissive, uh, and there has been some blowback to his answer. It was perceived, I think it's fair to say, as uh, dismissive and, 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 and you know not taking it very seriously. I suspect that will force all of the party leaders to up their game. And for the first time in a long time, Alicia, I think the kind of question of Bank of Canada policy may loom larger in the context of a federal election than it has. Um, and I think that's probably a healthy thing. You know, we want an independent central bank, of course, when it comes to individual decision making. Um, but it is the role of politics, kind of properly understood, to sort of set the framework in which those um, choices are ultimately made. So. That's a long way of saying, uh, you know, if you would have guessed that Bank of Canada mandate would be on the policy agenda in this election, you'd be right. Um, most most probably wouldn't have guessed that. But yesterday's inflation number, I think, almost certainly means it will be. I do think people often uh, think of the Bank of Canada as, you know, not being political, that they don't want politics involved in that. But you're right. The mandate is something that I think is inherently political. It's something that needs to be decided on. Um, do you think it's getting enough spotlight in this election? Or is the fact that when Trudeau was asked about it and kind of, uh, I think it's fair to say, stumbled on that answer, uh, that this is going to force all the leaders to come to the table with some concrete ideas in terms of what they see the mandate being going forward? 
Yeah, let me just say a couple of things in response to that question, Alicia, if I may. The first is, um, you know, as you mentioned in, in the introduction, I previously worked for Stephen Harper. Um, and I can tell you that decision around renewal of the Bank of Canada mandate is something that then Prime Minister Harper and uh, then Finance Minister Flaherty spent a great deal of time thinking about analyzing before a decision is made. So it really is indeed, um, you know, one of the most important decisions a government makes precisely because once you've established the mandate, you then in effect kind of cede control to the central bank to make individual decisions. So you, getting that kind of mandate right um, matters a lot. Um, and then, as you say, I think a combination of yesterday's surprising inflation number and Mr. Trudeau's answer to the question about the Bank of Canada mandate, I think will uh, undoubtedly place pressure on uh, Mr. Singh and Mr. O'Toole um, and ultimately Mr. Trudeau. Uh, to provide greater detail about their respective positions around, you know, complicated questions about, you know, the right inflation target, um, balancing concerns around full employment, you know, some of the extraordinary monetary practices that we've seen from the Bank of Canada in the course of the pandemic. I think all of those things, um, you know, ought to be on the table in a kind of healthy um, debate. And I think you can separate those mandate questions out from um, and at the same time, kind of protect the independence of the bank on interest rate um, decisions and, and so on. Sean raised an interesting point on the show about the Bank of Canada's mandate. It's not something we often talk about or see in the headlines, but it's a really important tool that will guide the Bank of Canada's decisions for the next five years. And it's up for renewal at a critical time in the midst of the pandemic recovery. As Sean said, he's been in the room when that mandate has been up for debate. I asked him about that experience in 2008 and what lessons the next government should take from it. When I worked for Prime Minister Harper, um, you know, one of the most important decisions that the government made was renewing the Bank of Canada mandate. This was not a decision that was taken lightly or you know made overnight. It was something um, that involved a lot of um, thought and analysis, precisely because it's the one chance that the political arm of government gets to uh, influence the operations of the Bank of Canada, which of course are such a major input into Canada's overall economy. At the time, uh, Alicia, there was this was just off the heels of the global financial crisis, and so there was questions about whether you know, the mandate ought to permit, you know, the kind of quantitative easing that we had seen in other jurisdictions, um, you know, and, and, but hadn't really um, in Canada during the crisis. I think it's fair to say Mr. Harper and Mr. Flaherty were both apprehensive about heading down that path, uh, you know, that you didn't want to turn extraordinary policy into something um, that could potentially become ordinary. But, you know, there were other considerations about whether, in addition to just you know having a narrow inflation target, whether there should be some consideration around things like um, household debt, which of course was a big issue at the time, or even employment, um, given that we were coming um, out of the depths of the crisis. In the end, the, the government chose to essentially renew the mandate as it had been under the previous framework, which which prioritized um, controlling inflation. But I think it's fair to say. Um, that the next government, whether it's a re-elected uh, liberal government or, or one led by one of the other parties, um, is going to have big decisions to make. Um, you know, the period that we've gone through 
with respect to monetary policy is, you know, one of the most extraordinary in our history. Um, the tone um, that the framework sets, um, you know, will not only guide a kind of restoration of, of a more normal uh, monetary policy, but it, it will also place conditions around the Bank of Canada um, in the event that we're facing a, a new and different crisis. You, you know, no one could have foreseen the COVID-19 pan- pandemic. You know, the current Bank of Canada framework has, has um, been flexible enough to permit, you know, some of the, some of the bank's um, pandemic activities. But, you know, I, I think it's going to be a, a big, big decision for the next prime minister and next finance minister. And I, I guess that's a, a long way of saying um, you know, I don't think it's a terrible thing um, that uh, on day three or four of the campaign, it's suddenly risen to the, the, the policy agenda. It's interesting is this COVID-19 induced recession is so different from the one we did see in 2008 in the Great Recession. But it seems like the questions around the mandate are very similar. You know, it's whether to uh, keep the status quo in terms of targeting that 2% inflation rate um, or whether it should change to... Uh, address things like the labor market and unemployment issues. Uh, there are lots of questions about where this goes forward. But Sean, can you tell me why it's so important for the government to have its say at this point in the Bank of Canada's mandate? Well, I think the primary reason is I actually think you know it's a bit counterintuitive, uh, Leisha, but I think it's it's crucial to protecting the independence and integrity of the Bank of Canada by politicizing on a, you know, a, a five or seven year basis, the kind of big picture framework in which the bank will operate, you know, by subjecting that to the small p political process, it then provides the kind of legitimacy and credibility for the bank to then operate fully independent. If the, if the kind of trade-offs and choices that the bank were making, uh, the bank was making rather, um, wasn't subject to politics, you know, one can't help but think it would lead to diminished legitimacy and ultimately cause politicians to start to, um, you know, get more involved in terms of uh, commenting on and debating and, and micromanaging um, individual um, actions on the part of the bank. So I actually think the balance that we've struck um, here, uh, where the government has a role to play in setting the framework, but then thereafter, the bank uh, has full independence to kind of execute against that framework is the right balance. And, and I would just say one final thing, you know, when, when I was part of the government and a decision was made about, um, about the mandate, I, I, I think it's fair to say it wasn't something that generated a lot of broad-based attention. You know, there were some reporters, including at Yahoo Finance, that took a great interest in some academics and, and other stakeholders. But it's fair to say, it, it, you know, this was not on the above the fold of the Globe and Mail or something like that. Um, But um, given what's happened in the context of the pandemic, given signs that uh, inflation may be back, I I actually do think um, that there's a potential for, um, you you know, the renewal of the bank mandate this time around to generate more interest and more attention. And, And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think, you know, it can help further establish people's buy in and trust of the bank and, and the processes in place to both shape its mandate and then um, go about um, executing against that mandate. Yeah. Are you surprised to see it become a, a topic of conversation so early in the election and then just kind of at all in the election? Because it 
as you said, it's not the the typical above the fold Globe and Mail story that that everyone is is digging into. Um, are you surprised to see it get focused on so early in the campaign? The reason I think the answer is no is because you know for the better part of the past twenty or thirty years, um, the, the bank has acted pretty conservatively, you know, with the goal of abiding by the inflation target in mind. And of course, that kind of conservatism um, flows from the experience of the 1970s and 1980s when a, when a combination of, of loose money and activist fiscal policy contributed to extraordinary inflation rates that were only um, tamped down by high um, interest rates. You know, people who bought homes in the early 80s, of course, will remember that period. And so, you know, we kind of collectively learned that lesson and that has you know been reflected in this kind of inherent conservatism um, at the bank of canada but the the pandemic caused the bank as well as the government to kind of throw off that conservatism um and we've seen in you know both extraordinary fiscal and monetary policy and you know that i think is reflected at least in part um in yesterday's uh inflation numbers that show inflation has reached the highest level in more than a decade. So I guess that's a long way of saying, you know, I'm not surprised in the sense that people don't pay attention when the when when everything is going smoothly and 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 we're well below the inflation target, but the fact that we've tipped above even temporarily um, is going to place a much greater emphasis on the Bank of Canada than in normal circumstances and you know that's why I think it it's so important that um, the, the next prime minister or the next government have a kind of clear vision for, um, you know, the, the, the priorities and trade-offs for the Bank of Canada. We have been seeing kind of as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, more flexibility, I think, in that policy from not just the Bank of Canada, but the Federal Reserve. You saw that it's overshooting that 2% target. And I think even the European Central Bank is looking at potentially doing a policy overhaul. It seems like this is just a major uh, topic of conversations across the world. Are you expecting, would you like to see some concrete proposed policies from all of the leaders in in the coming days? I I, I think at least directionally, you know, um, uh, it'd be good to understand, you, you know, whether um, the party and party leaders are inclined to a kind of more conservative mandate for the bank that, you know, is focused like a laser on controlling inflation or a kind of more activist view that places a greater emphasis on some of these, some of these other concerns. You know, you know, it's funny, Alicia, you know, we have such debate um, in our politics about, you know, should taxes go up or taxes go down? Should we spend a, a billion more or a billion less on infrastructure? Or should we have, you know, a slightly more generous, tax credit for innovation or a slightly more generous program or whatever. And the truth is, most of those d- decisions really influence the economy only on the margins, you know? Um, you know, when you account all things being equal in the end, you know, the, the kind of the influence of those individual measures is pretty small, notwithstanding the ferocity of the debate and, you know, how much attention and that um, commentators and pundits pay to them. But Bank policy matters. It matters a great deal. It matters arguably as much or more than any 
kind of uh, um, platform commitment than any of the parties uh, make over this course of this campaign. And so it stands to reason that the party leaders, you know, give Canadians at least a sense of how they, they think about these issues. Um, the good thing is, you know, Tiff Macklem, the, the Bank of Canada governor, is a known quantity, right? You know, not only has he been in the role, uh, different roles of the bank for some time, he's also served at the Department of Finance. Incidentally, I, you know, I was I worked a, along with uh, Tiff Macklem on the, the G7 and the G20 when Canada hosted those in, in 2010. So the different parties, you know, are exposed to him. They know him. They know kind of the way he thinks about these issues, broadly speaking. And uh, so I think that will probably give some comfort both to the parties themselves, as well as the business and investor community about the type of monetary policy we'll see going forward. But that doesn't preclude the the party leaders from, you know, just giving Canadians a, a bit of a sense of if they were in the top chair, what would the marching orders be to the bank governor? I, I think that could be a, a kind of healthy discussion in an, in an election campaign that's still trying to find, figure out what it's about. It's a fascinating subject. And I'm, I'm curious to see whether parties choose to, you know, maintain the status quo at the bank and, and that target 2% or, or whether the labor market becomes more of a focus. Um, there's, it, it's a fascinating subject. And as you said, has such a huge impact on our lives. So we'll definitely be keeping a close eye on it. Uh, Sean, thank you so much for the conversation as always. Yeah, same to you, Alicia. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. That's all for today. You can find the latest video episodes of Crisis Management on the Yahoo Finance Canada website or on YouTube by subscribing to the Yahoo Finance channel. If you'd like to hear more of the exclusive content in this podcast, make sure you subscribe. Thanks for listening. <laughs>